Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yes, you, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week we meet at this table to experience, inspire, educate, and encourage, and empower one another through our joys and our lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there's some things you just don't talk about. But here, here we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share some aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Files, Channel 37, and Comcast, Channel 27 in Reston. And we are webcast worldwide on the internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Should you miss us, no worries. You can hear us on our archive. You can hear our archive shows, I'm sorry, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just key in, frankly speaking, with Tyra G Podcast. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, you know that's easy, right? Email me at Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. Thanks so very much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I Am Listening. watch people fully engage in their purpose, it's confirmation that God has given each one of us a destiny. How else could one person be so fascinated by the accuracy of numbers while another is totally obsessed with the accuracy of words? What allows you to have great interest in something that bores someone else to tears? Why are you able to pick up something and fix it? from a clock to an automobile, while other people should be arrested for picking up a hammer? Why are you able to spend countless hours reading a book while other people will never know the storyline if it's not video? The gift or desire that God has wired you to express is unique to you. The drive to do what you're good at is instinct is what you were created to do. Human instinct is action in pure joy. It's like a work of art in motion. Your instinct will draw you to the unique expression of your gifts. You can only be fruitful out of your own understanding of and connection to what is in your core. It is the urging inside you that tells you to make a move, to reach out now to hold back until later, or to never give up. 
instinct must merge with purpose to give you a life that fulfills your destiny. And all gifts must be given a place of expression in order for destiny to unfold. And no matter how gifted you are, you need a place of expression. That place is called destiny. Those of you who have visited my website know my personal brand is Delivered Into Destiny. And part of my deliverance led me to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. The manifesto for this show is mine. I am here to listen, inspire, empower, educate, and celebrate my listeners through stories that need telling. I am here to encourage my listeners to accept these truths, that you are worthy, you are not alone, you are not your circumstances, nothing that has happened to you in your life will be wasted, you have everything within you that you need to thrive. My show today is another story that needs telling about a phenomenal woman who is walking, sometimes dancing, sometimes singing through her destiny. Joining me at the table this evening is Mrs. Caroline Zarinelli, also known as, I'll call her this, Mrs. Z. Once her story is told, it will be filed in the Frankly Speaking Human Library in the section titled Phenomenal Women. But first, take a listen and see if you can identify the space where Caroline's gifts live. Stay 
Did you get her drift? Did you get her gift? Okay, Mrs. Z, the mic is yours. Let our listeners know your why or your purpose, how you got to sing in that song. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, um, that was a song from the mid-'90s when I started working more with children and... um, just uh, the eternal, I feel, conversation about taking care of the place where we live on planet Earth. Yeah. And so I think the message still rings true. And it's so funny you chose this one because this is one I'm redoing. <laughs> really? And it's to include more of what's happening because I really talked very basically about how to take care of this over Earth, or not basically, just what that was in the mid-90s, and now we've got global warming, yeah, water rising, and it's just, there's so much more, and it is, and we're in a more dire uh, space now. Dire sounds kind of sad, but unless we do something, it, would, it will be. Absolutely. So, uh, when I looked at my songs on which one could I, I mean, I could revamp all, but which one needs, which one is calling to me most to revamp? And that is the one. So I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> Not only do I want you to keep me posted, I, as you know, uh, been working on uh, a children's product, and that's how our spirits kind of close together. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been looking at what uh, streaming services, children's programming, et cetera, are looking at. And there's some people, a lot of people, I should say, that I research, they're very interested in the environment. So your mm-hmm. song is right on to, we can talk about that a bit offline, but yes, that's what I've discovered. And I'm glad to hear you redoing it. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I feel like there are some more modern sounds that I could probably insert into the arrangement <laughs> to bring it forward a little bit or you know some sounds are eternal but um yeah, I was wiggling to that quite well myself you know I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm sitting here popping my fingers in the studio yeah yeah well whatever you do I happen to know that you happen to be very talented so I don't worry about whatever you produce is going to be wonderful but well, I interrupted your story. I interrupted your story. You're supposed to be introducing yourself, which you have in one way. <laughs> well, um, and what? And if I go back to my beginning that I remember, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I came out of the womb singing in some form or fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, it. Uh, I, uh, I just remember singing all the time. And I would only wear red shoes. At first, when I was little, it was red kids. And then I had red church shoes. And then when I got to school age, I had red school shoes. So my family dubbed me Carrie Canary with the red, red shoes. I love it. So um, 
I've always had this idea. The spirit animal is my is a canary. <laughs> Sometimes Phoenix Rising, but definitely a canary. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so I, my mom played for me when I was little, and she loved Rodgers and Hammerstein and taught me songs to sing. And um, and then when I was five, I got my first. Uh, voice teacher, Miss Burley in Lebanon, Missouri. She was 91 years old. Oh, my. (laughs) So kind and loving. And my first song that she taught me was Sweet and Low, this old folk song. And yeah, um, it was just all good memories. And then I grew up in a church that uh, has a cappella singing for part harmony. And so I just have always been surrounded by music and my father loved music and played piano as well mm-hmm. and they both were you know singers at home in church so um i guess you could call us a musical family um and then i just kept following my own breadcrumbs in as i you know grew up and i loved theater and you know musical theater and so i followed those breadcrumbs and um uh, gosh, after I got I graduated out of uh, from FMSU at the time, it's now Missouri State University. Mm-hmm. I uh, I I switched gears and I became a stay at home mom. And then a, a few, and I love that because I was singing all the time and playing with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then another shift, I was later hired to um, teach theater performance at my daughter's at this time now I had two daughters and I had worked as a mom you know not worked as a mom but volunteered um, with my children's classes to bring their favorite stories to life and then when they got older I asked the teacher if she wanted any curriculum highlighted so I started I didn't know at the time and it really wasn't a thing but it is what is now arts integration yes so I um wrote and even though it was highly musical and the scripts were written so that students can pass what they need to pass for tests but it's out it's really without just memorizing facts it's about really being emotionally attached and involved into the production they're performing they kind of become the history Mm -hmm. and i like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I just and I was so fortunate at the time to be in a school that really um, supported my learning of arts integration. I I uh, went all over the country wherever they had begun to study it and really learn it and share it. So I I've um, I went to Boston Arts Academy a couple of summers. Went to um, uh, Arizona, a couple places, Tucson, uh, in Denver, there was a place, and uh, we went to, uh, and these are all uh, like educators and of multi-age through college, all sharing information and experiencing the, experiencing material, whether it be poetry or science or math, through art, so that it becomes very tangible and fun. <laughs> well, you know what? You know? I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking uh, as, an, as, an edu- as an educator, I became totally aware, obviously, of varying learning styles. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm hearing, 
I'm hearing you talk about uh, multiple learning styles that you're using to teach yeah. content. And I'm going to throw one of your quotes at you right now uh, okay. that, that <laughs> seems to be underlying with what you're talking about. Um, you believe that children learn through play and gain lifetime confidence through the performing arts. And it sounds like that's what was growing up inside of you as you were uh, working with the schools and uh, making academics become life for the children. Yeah. Uh, I just... That is it. Yeah. I remember... One of the, go ahead. <laughs> one of the greatest... Um, I, I don't know what it is, but it's like a heart hug to me because uh -huh. <laughs> I am in a classroom. I still teach privately, but uh, I is when students that are now in their 30s with their own children come and they they have taught their children songs and they come, like if they see me out in St. Louis or it or they'll send me an email or they'll even request they're like we where's your music i need to, i need it so i'm teaching my children i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> so it's very it's like a pebble in a pond no it's more like a legacy that's what it is that's what you've created oh. you know what you said um i'm thinking one time i went to toronto uh there was a school no the museum taught things like uh geometry through dance and mm -hmm. it, 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 it was what you were saying before. The children became the history. They lived the history. Therefore, they remembered the history because it was a part of them. And um, yeah. in my mind, I'm looking at academics today. And we'll get to what happened during the pandemic and how you addressed it. But your philosophy, your philosophy seems to live or come alive, or jump off the page, or embrace you uh, in this title, The Whimsical World of Mrs. Z. Mm -hmm. If I opened the door to that world, what would I find? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, when you say that, that was the uh, our tagline for Children's Theater I had briefly in the 90s for yes. a couple of years. Yes. And Literally, when you walk through the door, we designed the thousand foot square space, so it was very, it was intimate. Mm -hmm. uh, floor, ceiling, walls, everything is like you're stepping into a three dimensional cartoon. Okay. And so we did shows and birthday parties and classes, but for shows, the audience we wrote so that my when I say we, my two team members and I wrote so that. We the audience became the show. Yes, I like that. Yes, and it was the same, but never quite the same. Mm -hmm. Twice, you know. So, um, uh, the whimsical world of blanket theater. So, on on that note, in theater we have improv. So, if there was a crying baby, or, or not baby, but toddler. I mean, some babies did come, but. <laughs> um, they it's not like oh take your baby outside mm -hmm. it's how we make everybody a family here and connect and be comfortable and get everything taken care of and so it, the improv of that whimsical world is kind of going off road and it still is even though i'm not in a physical space it's like sometimes you just have to know when to go off 
I agree. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I, if you visit online, the Whimsical World of Mrs. Z, there's several categories in the navigation. And one yes. of them is blanket theater. Is that what you just described? Or is that something? Uh, yes, that is described. And these days it has taken the, uh, the shape of I will produce blanket theater shows or have blanket theater classes. I don't have a brick and mortar space mm-hmm. now. Kind of depends on the season and what I'm up to. For instance, um, in the summer times, I'll have a two-week camp, and we write and rehearse a show, and then we have everybody bring their blankets, which is how blanket theater started. <laughs> I <laughs> like this. The, yeah, the yard, and we do the show. Mm-hmm. So the kids write. Classes. The kids write the yeah. show. Not all of them, but most of them, because it's just, it seems like it's a um, more of a call to, to kids that are looking for, there's all, I feel like there are always places to go audition for a show or be a part of a show, uh-huh. but there are places to write your show. Okay. Okay. Now, when we're, it's, we're, it's, just, it's like. When I was back in school, when children made their own puppets, those puppets were like, they got little birth certificates. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're precious. When you you make something, it is really yours. So that includes poems, music, stories, anything. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how old were the kids that were uh, sitting on the blankets in the summer uh, participating in something they created or whatever? Well, well, the performers were uh, usually like six to twelve. Oh, how wonderful! And then if I had interest in you know more of the seventh and eighth graders, I do like to put them by them, not by themselves, but they function better. Sometimes I have multi-age shows, but um, I like for my youngest to be able to have at least beginning reading, so mm-hmm. they don't feel completely um, overwhelmed. Right, right, right. Um, and you mentioned camps before. Is this the the cottage kid camps, or is this something? Yeah. Okay. It's blanket theater camps and cottage kids. Cottage kids is more, uh, and I didn't even know until the pandemic hit what I heard the word cottage core, and I'm like, oh shoot, I've been doing cottage core for years. <laughs> I live in a cottage, and I have children come to my cottage, and we do uh, crafts and sewing and painting we do all kinds of things and i usually theme it uh-huh. and, but we also then will move to the music room which is right well it's around we sit around the dining room table then we'll move into the music room and we'll make music and we will they'll write poems that become music with wharf instruments mm-hmm. and so and then we just present it at the end of our time together now, so if, when you say it, when you say it, Caroline, we move yeah. to the music room and we write poems. That doesn't just happen. How do you, how do you release their creativity? Okay, let, I'm sitting at the table. I'm seven years old. How do you okay. get me to the point where I'm going to write a poem and feel good about it? What What do you do with me? Well, we really do study. We we look at poems and how they rhyme. Okay, and it's usually at the end of the line. Okay. And we talk about slant rhymes because they're so, 
widely used now. That's a rhyme that's not really a rhyme, but it's close. Yeah. And, and if a child really needs help on how many words to put in, um, if they're younger or don't understand, I'll make for like the first line, I'll, I don't know if it's seven or 10 line, like just little separated underlines mm-hmm. and then circle at the end. That's where your word needs to rhyme. Okay. So and you're giving you, them a model. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So give them a model. And then, um, and it's not a, I mean, some of the olders are pretty quick and sometimes I have them help the youngers, mm-hmm. just to assist. but, um, everybody ends up with something and, and we tweak as we go. Cause as they put it to music, so in ORF music, um, it, it's based on the work of Carl. Carl Orff, who is a composer, but he also created Orff, the Orff Method. Um, you can learn rhythm through spoken word. Yes. And then use a pentatonic scale, which is a five-tone scale. So I have, I have a lot of Orff instruments and percussion drums as well. So if you take off certain bars of like a xylophone, which mm-hmm. has wooden bars, mm-hmm. and Play C D E and then G A ba 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 ba. If you take off all the same bars on everyone's instrument, mm-hmm. that'll all sound great together. Oh, okay. And they can play a rhythm like bum 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 bum, or somebody might do a little higher. I'm going to call it a sprinkle of bum 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 bum. Yep. So within that context, then we can figure out the structure for everyone's piece to come in and be featured. And now I, I feel it. You know, I get what what I'm hearing you say. The thump, thump, thump continues while the thump, 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 thump comes mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. they're playing together, and then someone else may have another rhythm. Yeah. Oh wow! And they don't and then, even know they don't even know what they're doing until they hear it, right? That is correct. <laughs> but I, then the, the, their faces tell it all. They're so excited and joyful. It's uh, and then they want to share what they've written. <laughs> of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And so, all right. So that's the musical part, and they could then even put their words to some of the music. Could they do that? Oh yeah. Yeah, like a very, very basic, and this is something I learned a long time ago when I was learning ORF music. Um, Spell that for me, Caroline, ORF. O-O-R-F-F. Okay, and he was a composer. Yeah. Okay. And um, so very basically, is even when you teach young children to clap, I'm going to, I'm holding my phone, so I'm going to snap my fingers. It'd be like, the words could be, would you be my friend. So the rhythm is. Got it. Got it. So I don't have to write that rhythm. They've already got it in, in them Mm -hmm. because they know how we set it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're doing a song about rain, it could be eighth notes of pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, pitter, patter, you know, so, you can create great things without, 
I'm not saying they shouldn't learn to read music. If they want to, they can. But you can create great music using words and phrases and fun, even their names. And we know, we know, Caroline, for a fact, several great musicians can't read music. That is correct. <laughs> you know, because the music is inside of them and they figured out a way to get it out and an instrument to, to help them express. But I think this is wonderful for little children. Um, oh, do do you have? A, I'm I'm off on something else now. Have you packaged this this process? Have you shared it? I mean, for you to just have it and be the only one, that's not fair. Other people ought to be oh, able to do this. There are a lot of teachers throughout the United States that there's a or schoolwork, which is um, it's schoolwork, mm-hmm. schoolwork um, that are ORF teachers. Okay, okay. So they're using this methodology that you use at, at your camp. Correct. I, I, I didn't come up with this. This was, I learned it. Uh, and it's a one, and I learned it because my older sister, who has her master's in jazz and commercial music, said, wow. Caroline, you really ought to. She was certified in ORF uh, before I was. And she said, what you're doing is ORF. You're doing ORF. You really should, not as a should, but you ought to go soak up the goodness because it's really good. And so I did. And it sounds like it. It sounds like more than good. It sounds like fun. You know, it is very fun. And then when you go to ORF workshops as teachers, you know, you late at night, Mm -hmm. there are drum circles and those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I I have another question. Okay, so you grew up, you came out of your mom singing, but it was crying. It sounded like crying, but you were really singing to the world. Okay, so you perfected that into words, and, and you sang, and you sang, and you sang. Well, you got a degree in that, but you've also performed. What do, what does some of your performance history look like? What have you done? Oh, my goodness. Um. Well... I think the first thing right uh, right out of college, honestly, it was the semester before I graduated from college. <laughs> and my father was like, oh, no, she's never going to go back. <laughs> what happened? But what I, happened? I we This troupe that I had in Springfield, Missouri, as college students called Avant-Garde, started doing country club shows called good company oh okay a little more country club friendly i guess you'd say yeah and then some folks from la somehow found out about us and hired us our sixth person and we were all great friends mm-hmm. we were all mannequins in motion so we toured the nation opening malls oh my goodness weird. yeah but what it was was a 30-minute show we showed 75 fashions with six people and three local people in, 30, in a 30-minute 30 show. It was all a show. It wasn't just run. It, there was not runway modeling. It was all singing and dancing and interacting with the audience. We were carried out. The three females, uh, the three girls were carried out as mannequins 
and set up on stage. Oh, I love it. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm getting, a, I'm so visual. I'm getting a picture. Okay. Malls, the, the kind of thing that we used to go to. Now we wonder where they're going. Okay. So right. a right. mall is opening and there's excitement and energy. And all of a sudden in some space, some runway, somebody brings out three of your people and sets them up as mannequins, right? Yeah. Is there music? Yes. Is there music? Oh, yes. Big, loud, pumping music. Okay, okay, okay. So now the three girls are on, they're on stage. Now what happens? What happens? Well, you know the song, um, It's Raining Men, and I can't think of who did it. Uh, It's raining men, hallelujah, it's raining men. (laughs) We changed it, or the, the company changed it to It's Raining Clothes. Okay, okay, yes, go. So, and I think I, the most, outfits I ever underdressed were four. So for quick changes, literally there would be 90 seconds to change. Oh my. And so that is how we show, that's a lot of clothes to show in a 30 minute show. But it's exciting. It's invigorating. I mean, people, uh, they were anticipating what could possibly be next. That's right. That is right. And, and, uh, you know, oddly, not oddly enough, I was always, uh, I was assigned to work with the local children to get them ready to be in the show. Oh. And and so I'm like, I was doing, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's not fate, it's destiny. You're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, and then between shows, we would be assigned a storefront. And these are very large malls. So we'd spread out mm-hmm. and we were... Uh, mannequins in store windows for an hour at a time. And did and you I, move around or were you mannequins just standing? They're mannequin, but the fun part was getting people to do a double take. So they're passing the window and then you just barely move and they're like, <gasps> and, they walk back and they check again. And it's when they're leaning in, you kind of give a little wink. Wave. Like, oh my <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. It was a very fun time. Very I know why your time. dad said, are you going back to college? Okay, all right. So they got you to do that. Now, after you after you were no longer mannequins, what did you do? I worked, uh, I went right from that after I graduated. Then I worked at Silver Dollar City, which is a big theme, a family-owned theme park in Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I was the first girl with the River at Rowdy's Ragtime Review. So I sang in an outdoor theater mm-hmm. um, and did ragtime, and that was a lot of fun. And then at, after that summer, I then went back and finished my fall semester. You know what? It just it sounds so perfect to to be able to get in touch with what your gifts are and realize your gifts are something that can be shared, must be shared, and that your gifts are something that bring joy. You know, yeah. uh, I'm just yeah. like, wow, that's a wowzer. And uh, <laughs> seriously, and it's pure. It's pure because it's you. You know, it's not animation, right? Well, it is yeah. animation, but it's not animation yeah. as we know animation today. And it's not uh, cleaned up by some some screen process that makes you look like you aren't, you know, Perfect. doesn't look like you. And so, yeah, it's it's de- delightful is a word I would say. So, all right, 
Here you are, you've done all of the things we've talked about. So what have you learned over this time, over your life? Oh, my goodness. I um, mean, you don't have to tell me everything. Just a few highlights. The big ones. The big ones is, um, the big ones are, I would have to say, tag, like, segueing from the story of when I went back to school and my dad was so grateful. Mm-hmm. He passed away in that December. Wow. At, it, early. And what rang true what still is in my mind and I hear him say, and it's a lesson that I still am learning <laughs> is don't let the good be the enemy of the best. And that's so true. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the other big um, thing I have learned at this point in my life, mm-hmm. being in my sixth decade Mm-hmm. Is there is season. You can do every. You can do all of it. You just can't do all of it at once. I like that. But I'm writing. Yeah, you can do all of it, but not all of it at once. Okay. And I didn't know it in the beginning, and so it caused angst, thinking I'm not going to get it done. And which one do I choose? And all these things. But when you just take the next step or pick up the next breadcrumb, <laughs> you'll get it. And don't ever think you're too old. Ah, okay, ladies of a certain age, of which I'm one, don't think you're too old. Mm. Or that it's too late. Or, or that it's too late. For, or that I've been out of the loop for so long. Because I say that part of, um, I, I have always loved learning, and I loved learning when I was learning about arts integration and all the things. And then lately, I've taken a new learning, and I am a turtle. I'm very slow, but you know what? Turtles get where they're going if they just keep stepping. Yeah. <laughs> and that the world of sync uh, production and licensing music, which is making modern music. And it's organic sounds, and it's electronic sounds, and I'm learning different tech stuff. That's the part. I hear things in my head. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the tech part that I'm uh, getting up to speed is a stretch, but I don't know what other else. I don't know what other phrase to use. <laughs> but I just I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm going to keep going. Well, for me, what I'm hearing and what my experience is like when I started this show and they told me I had to be trained and I walked into the studio and I was like oh my god what is this <laughs> and um but the thing was the, the journey like your journey right now uh with the new music methodology you're using and learning mm-hmm. and I'm still yeah. learning radio that's the fun that's the fun, yes. the learning. And one day, oh, man, that sounds good. I ought to do that. And so and that lifelong learning experience is so exciting. Yes, and my this is where my father's words keep coming up. Don't let the good be the enemy of the best. There you go. There you go. It's, um, it's their presence. Now, for people who don't know, I happen to have experienced a byproduct of what you're talking about because we were in a class together and that's how we met that's a disclosure but um 
and I was amazed with what you did, as, as all, of our, all of us were in the class. But give us a little bit of the process, because I know you're doing it on your computer, right? Right. Okay, talk us through how you're building that, how you may take, uh, yeah, just, I don't want even, I can't paraphrase, you talk. Sure, 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 sure. So there are different processes to use in songwriting, and it's, some of it's just personal in how you think about a, a song. If you have, um, it, for me, it used to be just music inspired me. I'd sit down at the piano, and I'm like, oh, I love those chords. I'm like, what feeling does that invoke for me? What, you know, and then I'd build from there. But the process I'm uh, learning now is um, taking organic sounds and beats, and some are original that I create, mm-hmm. and some are curated on copyright-free loops. They're called loops. They're just short beats or pieces of music or sounds or someone sounding like a choir or electronically sounding like a choir. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, taking just eight bars which is eight measures mm-hmm. which in four time that's 32 counts that's not a lot of counts but kind of throwing everything into that eight bar pot just at first just throwing it in you don't have a thought about anything you just go "Ooh, those sound good together Ooh, i like that mm, i don't know but we'll we'll put it in throw everything into the pot mm-hmm. and then using subtraction taking things out and then starting your arranging and ah. what? And when you top line, it's coming up with the lyrics and the melody, because when you get that much in the pot, something will bubble up. It but sounds like you. It, well, I'm I'm closing my eyes and I'm listening, and it sounds like you have a puzzle that you're putting together, and yeah. and sounds like okay, I get the the framework, but that then you get to mess around with the middle to make the make sure the pieces fit. And mm-hmm. that that is because I've heard the output of this process. It's amazing. It is totally amazing, <laughs> and I'm thrilled. Um, I wish I well, didn't I, think to, I did not think to get a co- get a sample. So we can't play it because I don't have it. Oh, unless yeah, you can so sing it. <laughs> I don't think it'll read the same. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have the idea. I love this class so much. Um, And it's about women. And it's about women who follow their joy and dreams. And and so, to me, that's a sassy woman. She can be sweet and sassy. I'm like, well, that kind of sounds like she's walking down the street owning her walk. And she might be in New Orleans. And you can hear that kind of beat to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it all started with that thought. And then I think within once once I get the the ding or the the idea of what it's about really, mm-hmm. I usually can just down and write lyrics. So I did. I wrote just everything just kinda came to me. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And then just structure it out. Well, maybe next time you come, we'll do it. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. So that was that was a sly way of of uh, inviting you back. 
Now, I want, you know, I just, I always like to, as I ask you to tell me what lessons you learned, I like to repeat what I heard. And, of course, the first one from Dad, don't let the good be the enemy of the best. And then um, seasons, you can do all of it. You just can't do it all at once. And don't, this is one I love, don't think you're too old or it's too late. Because I, my, my, my statement is, if you woke up this morning, you've not yet become all that you were meant to be. Mm-hmm. And That's I right. see that in what I know of you. I want to take just a brief moment for you to talk about the pandemic hit all of us. That's a universal smack. <laughs> that we had for two years for someone that teaches music out of her home and what is music it's intimate how did you manage your students in your home what did you do well um i immediately because i had been taking because and this truly is because i had taken my first uh, online course just beginning in January of 2020 mm-hmm. and I was away by the power of learning and being together online. Uh-huh. Like, this is so cool. I just love it. And then, you know, people in other places that you'd never know if it was just happening in your town. <laughs> and um, then the pandemic shut everything down. And so not even knowing how I was kind of like, Building the plane while I was flying it, I switched my entire, I had 27 students at that time. And I, I just said, I know this is happening. We're switching to Zoom. Um, you'll get a link. I will get you for Zoom and music. You've got to have music on their side. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I had to, and it was a quick turn, as you recall. <laughs> yes. And so I would get up because I was still teaching in a classroom mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. I so we were teaching on Zoom, but it was a little bit different than one-on-one voice or piano. So yes. I'd get up around four thirty and record the day's solo songs because all my students had two songs apiece. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, you know, in two weeks this will be done, and they will have their their songs mm-hmm. on their. So, and I do have to say, parents were so appreciative that we kept it going because it was a socialization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to tell you that Zoom, that first Zoom recital was something else. Uh, the power of having relatives from all over the U.S. and other countries. Yes, we had Peru. It was amazing. It was amazing, and everybody was grateful and joy filled at a very hard time. Absolutely. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think and what I go ahead. I'm sorry. That's OK. I uh, you said, what else? What did I do during the pandemic? I, I have this student who's now a senior and she I had taught her. Oh, I taught her a long time in elementary school. So from when she was in junior kindergarten, I think. So she was four or five, four or five. And um, and she became a voice student by third or fourth grade she just did not her mom's like i she just does not want to zoom she said it's so weird because she wants us to come to her performances but she doesn't want us to hear her in her lesson (laughs) so 
I sat and I thought about what could I do? How could this work? And I, one of my fathers, thankfully, is an infectious disease doctor here in St. Louis. And, um, and he had said, don't sing, don't let students sing. Right, right. Live. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I am thinking of, I know you said don't sing, but I, I have this idea for a safe singer sound booth. If I build, build a sealed, with a door from the outside, a sealed booth, with a ventilation system that pulls the aerosols out and have a sound system so we can hear and hear each other. And then I'll have it, um, I have got the plexiglass and I, and I built it myself because I wanted to be sure it was sealed, like really sealed. I sealed it five times. (laughs) And Caroline, I, you know, I just, um, I'm trying to formulate, a thought <laughs> in that <laughs> creativity knows no boundaries when a person says how can we do this because I know it can yeah. be done and you sit with yourself and you create it as a sterile sound booth where you could teach a student during yep. pandemic and I want, you know, I wanted to bring that uh, out intentionally because the pandemic was awful, if that's all you think. Of. It was awful because of the isolation, yeah. et cetera. But there was some positivity. There was light in that darkness. You know, we, we found a way through technology to touch one another. It, it forced us to change, and many people were not happy about that. But it also opened doors. I remember my rotary meetings. I could, go to, I could go to a rotary meeting in Malaysia, you know, and I live in northern Virginia because mm-hmm. I could go anywhere in the world, and I could reach out to people anywhere in the world. So we as human beings are human doers as well. We rise to the occasion. And, yes, we're rejoicing uh, a hungry hug, right? We're rejoicing to be able to do that, even if we're still masked. But I wanted to uh, have people be inspired by your ingenuity and creativity. And I'm pushing this along because, obviously, we're running out of time. But I wanted to play a little bit of another song Uh, of Caroline's before she reads what she wrote to her younger self before she knew we would be having this conversation. So let's take a listen. All right. Stepping to higher ground 
And that is the best message in the world for a show like this. Tagline, give of yourself is one of your best gifts. Care enough to share. Oh, my goodness. I just love that. I don't think you need to update that song. I think you need to push it out there again. <laughs> well, I might update the sounds a little bit. No, no, Caroline, that. come on. I'm a consumer. <laughs> consumer is always right. Okay, I need you to read what you would have said to your younger self. All right. Okay? Here it is. All right. Thank you, Tyra. Okay. Dear little Caroline, you were given these gifts for a reason. Don't keep them to yourself because you were scared. It is because you know what it feels like to be scared that you're qualified to share them. And if you ever forget that, know that you are loved and it's never too late to start again. Love you always. Go put on your go-go boots, Mama Caroline. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Before... um... I say an official on air goodbye to you. What else would you like for our listeners to know, Caroline? If you had, you gave us some lessons learned, but what's on your heart right now that you would say to them? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say play, take a chance. If you're scared, think about a costume code of confidence. Mm. Uh, And just remember, we are always four on the inside four years old on the inside yes four years old on the inside and I want to add just a little bit to that uh, that you can keep as your spiritual soul food for today and that is that you are amazing just as you are you are stronger than you feel you are smarter than you think You're more beautiful than you know, and you are more loved than you can ever imagine. You're important. You're here for a reason. And I want you to treat yourself like someone you love and walk in your worthiness. And your seat at this table is always waiting for you. This is Tyra G. Listening and loving. Take good care of yourself until next time.